You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. For the most part, I like the effort. You know, it's a long road trip coming back. Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Not that much as guys in red. Pittsburgh is stuck in quicksand. They're going down. I just called it Pittsburgh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Alfred and his bro. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them. At 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what. We have a big show. Shockingly, a big show. After a very fun and entertaining night at Rogers Arena. Very, very cool win. I call it a cool win for the Vancouver Canucks last night over the Detroit Red Wings. Today's show, guest list, begins at 7 o'clock. Going to talk to AJ from AJ's Pizza. A reminder, it's Ask Us Anything Friday on the program. And we're giving away a $100 gift card. Yeah, 100 smackaroos to AJ's Pizza for the best Ask Us Anything of the day. All you have to do is hashtag it AUA. Put a pizza emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the contest to win a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock, right after AJ at 7.05. Jim Toth, longtime friend of the program from CJOB Radio in Winnipeg, is going to join us. The Canucks play the Jets in a very tasty matchup on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow, so we'll look ahead to that with Jim. 7.30, it's the Moj. Yes, it's the Moj. BC Lions play-by-play man, fresh off a trip to the Super Bowl. 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall. Connects reporter from Donnie and Dolly on Czech TV. And I mentioned it is Ask Us Anything Friday. It's a big show. We got a lot to get into. I'm not even going to work the guest list in reverse. We're just going to tell everybody. And Laddie, let's what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? Did he say, let's what happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Yes, let us what happened. <laughs> Usually, let's tell everybody what happened. I no, let's, short- just, let's what happened. That's how big the show is today. That's how I busy sh- it is today. I shortened it up because we didn't have enough time for yeah, all those words. Everything. Elias Lindholm, old Lindholms himself, scored twice. Elias Pettersson had three assists. The Canucks... Scored a 4-1 victory against the Detroit Red Wings at Rogers Arena on Thursday night. JT Miller with a goal. Nikita Zadorov with a goal. Thatcher Demko with 27 saves. Uh, that was a really fun game. I, I really, thir- I mean, not like I don't enjoy all the wins, but I especially enjoyed that one. 
Take that, Jake Wallman. Yeah, they scored first, the Vancouver Canucks, for a league-leading 35th time crazy. in their 55th game. So surrendering, surrendering those early goals was not a problem last night. Thanks to Jeff Petrie's absolutely horrific pass up the wall that was easily picked off by JT Miller, who beat Alex Lyon with a nice shot. Uh, the Canucks made it 2-0 halfway through the first after Elias Lindholm ripped a hard shot past Lyon, who still should have had it despite how hard that shot was. Now we will fast forward to the second period, and after a strong shift by the Swedish line, I don't think we need to come up with anything fancier for that line. It's just the Swedish line. The puck found its way back to Nikita Zadorov at the point. He risked it on net, and Lyon didn't see it because of all the traffic in front of it, including the big body of Elias Lindholm. Lindholms. Lindholm Lindholms. is certainly having a game so far in my recap. Uh, the Red Wings did get one back in the second to make it 3-1, which was the same score in favor of the Canucks the last time these two teams met just last Saturday. We oh, all yeah. know... That one ended with an OT loss to Detroit after the Canucks had blown the lead in the third period. Now, the Red Wings, to their credit, did indeed make a push in the third, thanks to a couple of Canucks penalties, including a super soft one against Quinn Hughes. Mm -hmm. Who did he slash there? Was it Lucas Raymond? Could be. We used to, in hockey, you know, like, we'd be like, stick check, and if you weren't holding on to your stick... Hard enough when you dropped your stick, and Quinn Hughes didn't break his Raymond's stick or anything. He just dropped it. Anyway, the Canucks significantly improved PK, killed them both off, and that alone allowed Lindholm to score again on a pass from Petey that Petey nearly bobbled away before recovering and getting it to his new line mate. That goal pushed the Petey Lindholm Hoaglander line to plus three on the night. You know how they do a combined? A combined plus nine on the night. It's pretty good. Uh, which should go a long way to erasing the memory of Petey and Lindholm each having minus fours in Boston. Combined minus eight. Hey, remember when I suggested putting those three together? That was smart coaching by me. The Trey Kroner line? No, just the Swedish line. Okay. Anyway, the key stat of the night for me, the Red Wings power play went 0 for 5, and the Canucks... Didn't have one of their best, if not the best, penalty-killing forwards out there, Joshua Dakota. Dakota Joshua missed the game with an injury that's believed to have occurred during his fight with Chicago's Mackenzie Entwistle at the end of Vancouver's win Tuesday. Uh, McKayev replaced Joshua on the third line, and that line gave up the only goal against. But let's stay positive. Mm -hmm. The PK needed guys to step up. And step up they did up front. It was a lot of Elias Pettersson out there. And let's give some love to uh, Noah Juleson. He's been getting a lot of it lately. He had a great game, shorthanded, as did Horonic and Myers. All three of those guys were out there a ton. They blocked a bunch of shots, combined 10 shots. Not all of them on the PK, but they were blocking shots. Oh, and Thatcher Demko. He blocked a lot of shots, too. They call those saves when they are blocked by goalies. They sure do. Um, he made a save. It wasn't on the PK. He made a save that hurt my own groin to watch when he came across the net and, I don't know, somehow made it 
by going into the splits. I was like, oh my god! It's funny that he didn't How have a ton of do this. He didn't have a ton of saves on the power play, but the one save he had on the power play on the backdoor play to Patrick Kane was maybe his best yeah. save of the night. He, so. he only had to. Uh, I was looking at the stats, and the Red Wings had five power plays, and he only had to more make four saves. Yeah. So that's that's credit to Demko for making all those saves, but credit to, for the players in, in front of Demko for limiting the shots. And yes, A-Dog, Zadorov did the gritty. That's right, he did. It was very funny, and we all enjoyed that, especially on social media. Even I enjoyed that on social media. But seriously, folks, what a turnaround. It continues. The Canucks are now up to 80 points in the standings. After 55 games, they finished with 83 last season. I think they'll get there. I think they'll get there. You just jinxed them. Way to go. You know what? Regardless, that would be interesting if they didn't. <laughs> you know what? What a story. <laughs> now that, now I'm that working, would be a story. Now that I'm working it out in my mind, actually, that could, might be even a more compelling story. What happened to those Vancouver Canucks? Uh, okay, let's run through some of the storylines from last night. You talked about the PK. Uh, at length, and it was very good. The Joshua thing, uh, just to add on to your note, Rick Tockett did say post game that Joshua's not going to play next game either. So don't expect to see him. As a matter of fact, you're not going to see him in the lineup on Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. Mikheyev got the he was okay from Rick Tockett when asked about his ascension to the third line. Well, he wasn't to go to Joshua on that line. No, it was a little better. Was the exact yeah, and he skated a little bit better. Um, I want to focus. A little bit on the Swedish line, which I feel like we could workshop a little bit. No, we'll it's it just now. the Swedish line. Why? Some of the uh, I just want to tell. The Swedish line is a very what about bad the name. Swedish line? I We've have done that. The Swedish are, berries. You know, you know what? Uh, they bury it. You know what Elias Lindholm called it? Mm. The Swedish line. I thought they're gonna say the third line. <laughs> the, the third the, line. We're stealing the moniker. Everyone some, wants to be the third line uh, now. My only problem with some of the, 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 the line suggestion names that we get in there into the Dunbar Lumber text line and, and Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner or Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Butis in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com, and the number is 650-650, is they're so complicated. Like, I need a treasure map to get through the logic of, of, of some of these lines, sometimes simplicity is best. So uh, whatever we're calling the line, Rick Tockett, full of praise. I'm going to start with Lynn Holmes, better known as Elias Lindholm. Rick Tockett loves this guy. Elias Lindholm. Al- absolutely loves Lynn Holmes. He is a big fan. Lynn Holmes. Yeah. And, I, and he actually had a good reveal yesterday in that, uh, it's very clear that they're going to keep that line together for a little while. But there's a certain guy he wants to see play center. And we'll play it now. Here's Rick Tockett postgame 4-1 victory uh, over the Detroit Red Wings talking about Elias Lindholm. Like I said, you guys, I've been bouncing around wing center. I, you know, I don't think that's fair to the kid. I think he's a good – I think he's a centerman. You know, and tonight I'm not saying I'm – because he got two goals, I was right. I just think he's a centerman. Um, just the way he, the positional, his positional play. Um, if there's a mistake, he's in the right position. You know, you just, you can, t- I can tell. He just knows where to go in certain situations. Doesn't cheat the game. Blocks a shot at the end. That's why we acquired him. So, for now, I'd like to keep him at center. So, he also won twelve of eighteen in faceoffs. 
So that's pretty good. PD still had to take th- uh, five face-offs, but I wonder if a lot of those were shorthanded. Yeah, and uh, Tockett mentioned that as well. Tockett didn't have the number in front of him as to his face-off prowess, mm-hmm. but he passed the eye test with old Rick because Rick was like, he was very good and won some big draws for us. Now, the other part of that line that got a lot of praise yesterday, Nils Hoaglander. And uh, there was a, you know, I guess the door closes for one guy in Dakota Joshua who's now sidelined. It opens for another. So Hoaglander also got power play time yesterday, net front. And again, another guy that has taken the challenges from his head coach and hasn't just met them, but has exceeded them. And now is starting to see the fruits of that labor because he's got a pretty cherry gig playing alongside Lindholm and Petey on that line. He's going to get some time with the man advantage now. And Rick talking is still not playing a ton. Like he only played 1241 last night. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be an uptick based on what the head coach had to say. Here's well, it already Rick. is. Here's Rick Tockett now on uh, Nils Hoaglander uh, and his ability to play nasty. We'll get to that on the other side of the clip as well. And his increased role on the team. Yeah, I think Hoggy early this season was playing fancy. You know, when you, when sometimes when you're a guy like him, you play with good players. You start, I think if you watch him, he's, you know, he was outstanding in the corners. He's, his corner work has just been the last month and, um, he was playing a little nasty tonight, too. I love that about him. Like, he was just getting in there. So, um, had a couple of chances there, too. So, yeah, no, I, I actually liked Hoggy's game again tonight. He he fits that bill of being a nasty. He's in the corners. He's taking the puck to the net. If he, can, if he can stay with that and not get too fancy, I think, uh, you know, he can really climb the ladder on that. That's what I've always liked about Hoaglander. Even going back to the World Juniors, didn't he get kicked out of a World Juniors game? He's a rever- he got, he reverse hit, I think. Maybe an elbow yeah, reverse yeah, yeah. hit. He's like, good. At, he's 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 sneaky dirty. Yeah, which I like. I don't even know if he's sneaky dirty. Yeah, I like just regular dirty he, too. He, he's also really strong. Like it's not, um, you know, his reputation when he was drafted was, wow, this guy's really talented, and a lot of people were surprised that he fell to the second round of the draft. Um, but we we've, we've seen that. He doesn't mind playing with a chip on his shoulder. And um, I think, frankly, that is one of the things that has separated him from Pod Colson and why one of them is in the NHL right now and one of them isn't. Now, granted, I'm probably going to hear from some people yeah. that have been telling me or, you know, that will tell me that Pod Colson has been in beast mode down in Abbotsford. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily, of course, he doesn't have to play with Nils Hoglander, but I, when I saw Pod Colson the last you know year, and that definitely includes training camp and the preseason, like I was like, "Where's the edge in this guy?" Mm-hmm. Right? And Hoaglander's got it. And in fact, he was the reason why Jake Wallman was so upset because uh, there was a battle in front of the net, and Hoaglander was battling, and as a, as a result, got a stick up a little bit. He accidentally hit him with a stick. And uh, well, I kind of think it was, but he <laughs> ended up. Uh, whacking Jake Wallman to the ice and Jake Wallman was all upset and I believe that might have been around the time that Nikita Zadorov did his gritty. That's exactly Wallman then right? did an angry gritty from the bench. Wallman yeah. Yeah, mad gritty. He was smashing I his did the Iggy. Yeah, and that was Wallman. <laughs> he was smashing his stick like crazy and then barking out something. I always uh, Detroit's really, really feisty. And they dive a lot. And it's not just Lucas Raymond. Like I know Miller and Larkin got into it yesterday because Larkin was falling down incessantly, and then Patrick Kane was chirping uh, Tyler Myers. I actually, you know what? For as annoying as the Red Wings are, 
I actually kind of like them as an opponent because the games have feeling and they have mm-hmm. emotion because of the totally. way that, because of the like way that they other. play. Yeah. And I think that I think I know Detroit's kind of leaned into that this year and it's probably part of the reason why they've had this rise up the standings. Like they're tough to play against and they make life miserable on you. One final thing on Hoaglander that and you brought up Pod Colson, that's important. When coaches talk about guys figuring it out, it sounds like a sort of vague, nebulous term. It's like, what does that exactly mean, figure it out? And oftentimes, you can't put your finger on it. Talkett just did it with Hoaglander. Is that when he got the ascension to play with better guys, I think almost like innately, he just changed his game, maybe not even without knowing, because he's like, well, I'm playing top-line minutes now. i got to play like a top-line guy. I gotta... And he's got skill. He had... There's a reason he got drafted as high as he did. There's a reason he could do Michigan goals and junior. Like, he's a... Very talented guy. And and Tockett said it. He's like, when he played with those guys at the beginning of the year, he played too fancy. Mm-hmm. What he figured out was the stuff that I do lunch bucket-wise is what they need on the top line. They don't need another skill guy right, to yeah. go play on the top line. They need a guy that's going to do all the gross, dirty, nasty stuff that the other two guys don't necessarily want or need to do. Not not all of it. Everyone's got to do. Everyone's got to go out there and win puck battles 100%. in their own way. But um, you you know have to know your role on a line. Yeah. You have to know what you are on that line. Mm-hmm. Just because you're playing with the top guys doesn't mean that like you're their equal in playmaking because you, you are not scoring, <laughs> because you are not right. But you know yeah, what you yeah. do better is you dig pucks out of corners better. Mm-hmm. That's your thing, and that's what Tocket was saying. He's like. You know, Hoagie's board play and south of the goal line and all that stuff. He's almost elite at it. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. The, the Guys, the, we, we also need to acknowledge that if this line sticks, if this is a thing, and if this is successful, this is going to go a long, long way for the Canucks. Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very important that two things – this is why, you know, Lindholm was traded to the Canucks with the hope that – Petey would find a better line mate to play with, more with just a, just a higher caliber of player. Um, and But also the, that player, Elias Lindholm, he found his game as well because he kind of lost it in Calgary, right? Like we, yeah. we all kind of, you know, brushed it off, the fact that his – you know, career season was a couple of seasons ago and he's been trending down. We're like, well, yeah, the the Flames are the Flames and, you know, they've been in trouble and he hasn't had many good players to play with ever since Kachuk and Goudreau left. So he'll be fine in Vancouver, right? And, and most of us were pretty optimistic he'll be fine. Um, but in the back of our minds, I think we were kind of like, oh, I hope he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I hope this isn't just him getting older and maybe losing a step and, you know, not being the player that he once was or maybe that season that he had with Goudreau and Kachuk was more about those two than, you know, Lindholm mm-hmm. got credit for. Um, but listen, if they can figure out this riddle, this piece of the puzzle, as Rick Tockett would say, and you've got these guys together – and then you you're going to keep Miller and Besser together, probably with Suter. Yep. Um, but maybe there's an addition there. But you know, it's just like it's like Forrest Gump after he gets rich. He's like one less thing yeah. to worry about, right? And that and that that who's going to play with Petey? And is it going to be kind of like well, I guess 
I guess we'll just live with it. Or is it going to be like, oh, I really like that combination of players to play with PD. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in that. Yeah, in early days still, right? It's only the second game, really, that they've been together. But I, I quite like it. And I think it's also important that Tockett isn't just figuring out uh, who should play together, but what roles they should play on the line. Like, we played that audio earlier. Like, Lindholm's going to be the center, right? I mean, that was clear as day. Tockett is a huge fan. And I can understand why. Like, you mentioned the Zadorov goal. How many times is that now where Lindholm has been a really good physical presence in front of the net, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about that goal there. The game he's, against- a big, he's a big body. He's big and strong. I, I, yeah. I didn't realize how big and strong he was. Surprisingly, really. And then you look at him, yeah. he's listed at like 6'2", close to 200. So like, but he looks big out there. He does. Yeah. And there was that play. You go back to the game in Chicago where he just muscled Megna off the puck, and that mm-hmm. allowed Hoaglander to go score. His first game in a Canucks uniform, obviously, there was the two tips in front against Carolina. So, I mean, there's that part of his game. Talking always raves about his hockey IQ. He loves him on the draws. There's enough things that make me think, okay, it's kind of clicked here, and we'll get to see them play together for a while. And, okay, uh, there's a couple other takeaways as we lead this into break. We'll do the rest of the NHL story uh, in the 630 segment because there were a ton of stories coming from the rest of the league as well last night. There was 11 other games, including a rough evening for the province of Alberta. But um, the gritty thing which actually did become a thing, which I thought was hilarious because when I went out, you know, I did Toronto radio this week. I heard about that. Yeah. Um, They asked near the end of the hit about the gritty thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I tried to contextualize it. I'm like, I kind of was making these jokes and my usual like interjections where I'm like, and then they're going to take care of Wallman or then they're going to get their revenge. And then it became bigger and we started talking about it for real. But I wasn't sure if the players actually did they cared. Sh- did they shoehorn Morgan Riley into the conversation there? I did it myself. Oh, okay. I took the, I took the the liberties okay. there to put that in there. And I said right. also we were talking about Morgan Riley, but uh, obviously the players had it in their minds, and Nikita Zadorov had it in their minds, and we played the clip in the intro this morning. So Satin Bick yesterday on the post game show, I just so happened to be in the car. I was taking my kid home from a late soccer practice, and they had Zadorov on, and. Uh, kudos to them because they were asking the tough questions. They were asking about the officiating and some of the calls that happened last night. Mm-hmm. And Zadorov's answer to the first one was, uh, I don't want to get fined. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, we're not going to get very far with this one. But he said there was 20,000 people in attendance. You could see what was going on. They mm-hmm. were not happy with the officiating. They panned over to Rick Tockett a couple times, yeah. especially after the Quinn Hughes penalty. Oh, that was terrible. You know, not good. I do think part of this had to do with the fact that um, – Detroit, bunch of embellishers over there, right? All they do is gritty and dive. That's it. So um, anyway, so then they got to the end of the interview. And do we have the clip? We'll play it again. Zadorov did a, I can't even call it a gritty, really. It was just sort of, oh, he's a good little dancer. He just did a little dance move directed at Jake Wallman, which meant that, yeah, they were all aware of what Wallman did with his walk-off penalty shot on Saturday. Here's the quick back and forth between Sat, Bick, and Nikita Zadorov following a 4-1 win over the Red Wings yesterday. Uh, Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Uh, it was uh, caught on camera there, a <laughs> little uh, cheeky uh, one over at the bench. Not that much as guys in red. <laughs> and there was a laugh at the end that we are going to clip as well. well who, 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 who? That was Sat. That was Sat? Yeah. yeah. That was a high-pitched laugh. That was... <laughs> <laughs> He's oh already clipped God. it. Anyway, uh, point being, there's. You should have. We were talking about dance offs. You should have a laugh off with that, your answer. That, <laughs> that was pretty. He's gonna good. use that as a laugh track now. Anytime you guys have a joke, 
is going to bust it. So so now some people are texting and they're like, "That's the way you deal with someone doing something that you don't like. Is you don't get your revenge immediately. You wait until it's a dish best served cold and you get it and you take them." to school the next time you play them and you beat them 4-1, and then maybe you throw in a little bit of some shade like that. I'm, I'm a big bide-your-time guy. Yeah, well... Wait, pick your moment. I'm, again, I don't want to relitigate the whole conversation, but Morgan Riley... is sort of Damocles guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most scholastic reference we're going to have this morning. Actually, it's, it's a Simpsons reference. It's going to fly over a lot of people. It is a Simpsons reference as well. Look... Maybe I can still get that drink. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are saying that's the way you do it, not the way Morgan Riley did it. Morgan Riley didn't have the chance to get uh, revenge, best serve cold later, because that was the last game of the year against Ottawa. I have no idea if he knew that or not. But point being, that's great, the way that the Canucks went about their business last night. That's great. It was right? fun. It was entertaining. Yeah. Everyone liked it. You yeah. Know? Except, well, the Red Wings probably didn't. Right. But just make note of the fact that everyone takes note of these things. The Canucks were very cognizant of the the cool little dance. They obviously noticed it, and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll file it away. And then the next time we play you guys, you know how we're going to exact our revenge? We're going to handle you. We're going to beat you 4-1, and we're going to make the guy that did the dance minus three on the night because that's what Wallman ended up being on the night, right? Mm-hmm. Now that we're big plus-minus guys. So kudos <laughs> to them, and kudos to the group. That was a fun win last night. You're listening to the best, You're of, listening Alfred to the best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dollywell going to be joining us soon on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Halford, if he were here, would say, Kintech. Uh, 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 Kintech? Or something like that. Yeah, Kintech. The Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Halford and Bruff, it's the third hour, is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. We are joined now by Rick Dollywall. Rick, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. What's going on? While the Canucks keep winning, what did you think of the game last night? Pretty entertaining. Good Canucks win. There was a gritty. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much well, you guys were talking about the gritty. Um, we leaned into it a little bit because a dog wanted to talk about it. And you know, when your kid is interested in something, you fake a passion for it. He was really into the gritty, so we're really into the gritty. Well, I'm just glad there was no uh, retribution. I don't think uh, that, you know, the the Canucks did it the right way. They won the game. I mean, Wallman had a tough night. What what was he, minus three? And then Zadorov mocks him at the end. Um, I I think instead of, uh, you know, getting the guy for what he did, I think the Canucks did the right thing. You know, they just won the game. He was really a non-issue. 
And it was really, in my eyes, a non-issue. The Canucks were obviously aware of it. That's why Zadorov did what he did. Mm -hmm. But they handled it the right way, and they picked up their 37th win. They had 38 (laughs) last year. It's game 55. 80th point. They had 83 last year. They got a six-point lead on first place in the NHL. You know, with every win, Jason, how does management not think this team uh, can go all the way? I just... Uh, when you look at all, you know, they got an NHL best record at home now, 19-4-2. They're first in the NHL. I think they're second or third in goals for. Um, they're you know, they're not, third in goals against. And go, and there you go. And That's, that's the huge. One. That's huge. Well, in the last 10 years, what's been their biggest issue is goals against. And, and now the they have fixed that. And that's coaching. And, yeah. you know, combined with a very healthy goaltender who's, you know, and we'll find out on Saturday against Hellebuck when two of the best in the game are going toe-to-toe when Winnipeg arrives. Uh, but you're looking at a healthy goalie. A little surprise Demko's played as much as he has. I think he's five of the last six. I think there were games you could have got to Smith in there. But they know what they're doing, right? You know, and and now you got Winnipeg coming up. That's going to be it. You talked about third goals against. Well, Winnipeg's goals against is pretty damn uh, good as well. Yeah. yeah. Now they got this Swedish line, six points. You know, last night they had the lotto line. They've had the great third line, although it's broken up. You know, now they got the Swede line. Um, it just seems every night, if uh, one or two lines aren't going, they always have a line that comes to the mm-hmm. forefront in Chicago. Third line, six points last night. Sweet line, six points. It's just every single thing they do right now is just coming up roses, just roses. I know, which kind of begs the question, what is the point of Phil Kessel? I talked to uh, Jim Rutherford this week about Kessel, and this is a player that uh, Jim knows well. He, he loves his experience, that there's championship pedigree, there's trust with this player. They want Stanley Cups together. Uh, it was really Rutherford, not Alvin, that was dealing with Kessel's agent, Wade or not, the past two or three weeks, uh, setting up Kessel's arrival in Vancouver this week. Rutherford and the Canucks, are, along with two or three other teams, were after uh, Phil for going back to last summer, and they kept in touch all season long. Number one issue here, uh, uh, Jason, is conditioning. He's had 10 months off. That's the biggest issue. So that's why he's in town working out for the team. This, this is the training camp for Kessel that he missed in September. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell from the video on day one, of his Abbey's, uh, Abbey uh, Canucks practice on Wednesday, this is not going to be easy. He looked gassed after a few drills, and, and that was expected. That did not surprise anyone, absolutely no one. To have a long layoff, 10 months in hockey, and then try and pick up the pace of an American Hockey League team is not easy. No matter how much you uh, trained at home in the past few months with, what, he had a, probably had a skills guy, skating guy, that's not the same as practicing at the pace of an AHL team. Um, so here's what I'm told. The intention is for Kessel to pass a number of checkpoints, both on and off the ice, over the next six, seven days. So the Canucks need a good indication he can handle the pace of the NHL, and if at that point they feel they've crossed that line, you, you'll see them sign him. But I know a lot of people are saying um, it's a done deal, they're going to sign him. I'm not there yet. There's a lot of checkpoints that have to be passed. But no word on if he's going to play games for Abbotsford yet. I, I asked that, and I was told they're taking it uh, step by step. Well, yeah, that was going to be my question. Is there a way for him to play games for Abbotsford? Yeah, he'd have with, to sign a, a PTO. 
a PTO so that, that you, can, I, you I, can right okay so you can sign a PTO and play for Abbotsford without the Canucks making a commitment to him that's it so okay. you can you can practice with him but I I do believe I I think I asked uh uh, Wade, that that if you uh, play, I think he's got to sign a PTO. But they're not there yet. They're mm-hmm. not at the game. Uh, I think he's getting three practices with Abbotsford before uh, they leave on a road trip. I think they're going to Calgary and then California. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Look, it's a freebie. doesn't cost you assets. It doesn't hurt to look. Uh, Rick Tockett, I believe, is the guy that uh, really wants to give, uh, you know, Kessel, he coached him in Arizona. He wants to give him a look. It doesn't hurt. Never hurts to take a look. And especially with the fact that it doesn't cost you anything. Rick, do you know how many other teams were poking around Kessel? Yeah, the, the two to three. Canucks were one of three to four that kept in touch, and they did they did look into him in August, but at the time they had too many young players. Remember, uh, uh, Pod Colson and Hoglander started on you know in the top six of training camp. They had too many bodies at camp. Mm-hmm. I think they were looking to get him in on a, a, a PTO. But I think uh, the agent was uh, looking to hold out uh, for a contract. Well, you know, they're one step closer right now to get him in that contract. Uh, Trade deadline. We're going to be talking about this for every hit with you until the trade deadline in in March. Uh, what What are you hearing about what the Canucks might be looking for? Any names out there? Okay, so he, he, the Canucks are continuing to monitor everything, big and small. They continue to work the phones. The preference is not to trade any more first-round draft picks. But as you, uh, I like to say all the time, hockey people change your minds. Uh, you can look in all players, big names, depth players. It's all about the cost of acquisition. They're still looking for a defenseman. Can't have enough for the playoffs. Try and be seven, eight deep on the blue line. The price on Chris Tanev is, is obviously pretty steep, but that's when teams like the Canucks have to get creative. When you like a player as much as the Canucks like Tanev, you've got to get creative. Canucks have not given up on trying to get Tanev. Sources say the Oilers are making a push for Tanev. You certainly don't want him going to that team if you're the Canucks for sure. Dallas, high interest in Tanev, many others. Maple Leaf still in there, Winnipeg. You've heard, you heard Brock Besser on a podcast this week raving about Tanev. So many Canuck players want him back because he's the ultimate teammate and pro. Um, he took that Canucks young core four or five years ago and really helped them. Mm-hmm. The Canucks are also very uh, aware of the chemistry issue. To this day, this group of players has the Canucks sitting in first place in the overall NHL standings. There is something to be said about adding too much to a successful tight-knit group like this. Um, so there is that to keep in mind. I do want to say uh, last week there was a rumor the Canucks were in on Flyers defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen. I've been told that's not true. That that player's got too much term and money left on his deal. Um, I do want to say something on the UFA front. I believe the Canucks have indicated they want to keep Teddy Bluger. That's a player they've identified. They would like to re-sign. Uh, I will not be surprised if Bluger is the first UFA that they try and re-sign. Um... I wouldn't either. I mean, he's a very important player, and you always want to look at your centers and make them priorities. Um, have you heard anything on Dakota Joshua? Because obviously we've been talking more and more about him. Yeah, yesterday morning, uh, I definitely, very early yesterday, I heard that he, he hurt his hand in that fight in Chicago defending Connor Garland. He missed last night's game. Talk had said last night he's going to miss another game. Still no word on how long he's out. I certainly get the feeling the team is trying to keep this tight-lipped 
as possible. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence that Rick Talk had dropped our, our, our Steve Bain's name as a call-up yesterday, but I also believe that our Steve you know, would probably be doing what Jet Wu is doing and just practicing, not playing games. It is very tough for any prospect in Abbotsford to play games for the Canucks right now when, you know, they are first in the NHL standings, where's the fit, and also, you know, they're first in the NHL standings and they're relatively healthy. Like, when I look at the Canucks and why they've done so well this year, I look at two things. They have not gone on a long losing streak. Their biggest losing streak is two games. They haven't hit three. That's very important. Uh, Every other team's had three or more. The other thing is they've been really, really healthy. And in the top six especially, you know, uh, Miller, Besser, all these guys, um, Patterson, uh, they've all been healthy. And that's a big thing for me. And they've had help. Remember last year? The Canucks at the end of the year had 11, 12 guys banged up. They've always been traditionally banged up for the last few years. This year, you know, knock on wood, they've been very, very, very healthy. Uh, Just back to Dakota Joshua, uh, appreciate the update on his status and how they're being tight-lipped. I meant contract-wise because you had mentioned Teddy Bluger and how they might try and get him signed. Joshua's in the same position as Bluger in that he's a a pending UFA. I checked in with uh, his agent, uh, this week, there's been no contact with the Canucks and uh, Dakota Joshua. In fact, I don't think there's been in any touch with any of the UFAs uh, so far. I checked in with all of them this week, and I haven't heard any uh, where the Canucks have contacted them. So it looks like, uh, you know, they, and Rutherford did say, you know, we're going to address most of the UFAs at the end of the season, you mm-hmm. know. and But I can tell you they're in a good spot with their UFAs because I think everybody wants to return and play in Vancouver. You know, I don't think anyone's knocking on the door and saying, I, I want to leave Vancouver. Um, I think Vancouver uh, being in first place helps the Canucks and it helps all these players who want to come back and, and, and remain in a winning program. So I think from that perspective, I think the Canucks are sitting pretty good. Um, Jet Wu, the Jet Wu call-up, was that mostly – we actually wondered maybe he'll get into the game in Chicago um, just as a reward and make your NHL debut. That's a team that the Canucks – should beat. Um, he didn't get into that game. He still hasn't made his NHL debut. Is this call up about rewarding him monetarily in some ways uh, because he's going to make an NHL paycheck and just be around the guys and maybe just have him prepared to be around the guys in case they need him in the playoffs? I, I look at this as the Canucks rewarding a kid working hard. Uh, he earned his call up. Can they get him into a game? Who knows? It sends a message to all the kids in Abbotsford, work hard, you can get called up. But you know what's funny? It was a very eventful week for Jet Wu. Last Friday, he changed agents to Eustace King from CAA. Then two days later, he gets called up by the Canucks. This was a long time coming for a kid drafted in the second round um, six years ago. Two years ago in Abbotsford, Trent Call had this kid playing as a forward. He was healthy, scratched all the time did not look good uh, that the Canucks were had plans for him in the future. Then he goes out and has a great season last year, and now this. I really think it's rewarding a kid who has just really worked hard and hard and hard, even in his adversity. He didn't bitch or cry when he was being played as a forward. He was their best right shot defensive prospect, and Trent Call had him playing as a forward. He still didn't whine about it. Sometimes you gotta you got to say to these kids, hey, here's a reward. I think it's, I, don't, I don't know if he plays or not. But I, 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 I 
know that this, you know what, sometimes rewarding a kid for the way he's played in, in, in professionalism, the way he's conducted himself in Abbotsford, I like what they're doing with him. I, I, I really do. Hey, I don't know if you know this, Jason. When Jet was uh, drafted by the Canucks, he had a lucrative offer to play in China, the KHL. And I think China wanted him qualified to play uh, on their national team. Mm-hmm. And Jet said no. He said the dream was to play in the NHL for Vancouver. Now he's at the doorstep. There's some great stories down in Abbotsford, actually. There are. And you know, in terms of guys either sticking with it, like yep. Jet Wu has, or undrafted guys like Archdeep Baines and Tristan Nielsen yep. sticking with the game and saying, like, I know you don't think I can make it, but I'm just going to prove to you that every level I get to, I'm going to keep working hard, and then I'm going to get to the next level. Um I know you already mentioned Baines. Do you think we'll see him on a call-up pretty soon? Is that possible? Arsteep? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rick Tockett went out of his way to say that uh, he's he's earned it. I know that the organization is absolutely loving his development. But before you, you thank the kids, thank the infrastructure in Abbotsford. You know, they got a great coach there, and they got the Sedin twins working with the prospects. You know, they got a great skills coach down there. These kids, I think in Vancouver and Abbotsford, I don't think they've had this type of coaching for their players at um, both teams ever before in a long time. Like, I think, uh, you know, at one time everyone thought the Sedin twins was just a gimmick or something. Uh, you know, they weren't pushed to the side. They're playing a big role in Abbotsford, and they're playing a big role in Vancouver. This is, you know, these guys have done a tremendous job. Those kids down in Abbotsford have a lot of good uh, coaching, and I think you got to thank those uh, guys as well. Jason, uh, one last thing. I, I do have an update on a Canucks prospect I, I wanted to give you. Okay. I believe that Jacob Truscott is going to hit the free agent market and will not sign with the Canucks. He's okay. a defenseman. at the ca- He's a captain at the University of Michigan. Canucks draft pick in 2020 in the fifth round. A few weeks ago, the Canucks looked like they were going to sign him. As I always say, things change in hockey. Uh, Canucks have another left-shot defenseman on the way in Elias Patterson. They also signed two NCAA defensemen last year. Uh, Truscott will become a free agent this summer. He is in the last year of uh, playing in Michigan this year. So I just wanted to get that in. Uh, how big a deal is that? I, I just got the news very uh, – uh, well, it's – you know, you – the Canucks have been monitoring this player. I, I think Alvin was in Michigan, I think, what, 10, 11, 12 days ago. So, I, I look, there's I, – I just got the information. I, I got to delve into it more. Uh, but anytime you draft a kid, uh, you probably – you don't want to see him go. And in college, you get the extra time to evaluate a player. Uh, but the Canucks signed a ton of guys from the NCAA last year, you know, and then they signed a lot of European guys. And sometimes it gets crowded uh, for these kids. But uh, I, I was just told uh, uh, late last night that uh, he, he's going to hit the free agent market and will not sign in Vancouver. Rick, thanks for all the great information. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us today. You too, pal. You all too. Right. That was Rick Dollywall from the Donnie and Dolly show. And there was a question actually uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, maybe should have asked Rick this. Ask us anything. How did you guys decide between the Halford and Bruff show or the Bruff and Halford show? Ask Rick to Donnie and Dolly versus Dolly and Donnie. These questions need to be answered. Well, the Donnie and Dolly is obviously that Donnie has a massive ego. That's clearly the answer. Uh, he wanted his name to be first. It's also it's, the answer for this show. It's it's actually not. We we just uh, we we sounded it out, and because I 
don't have a big ego and it's never about me. I was like, you know what? Bruff and Halford just sounds weird. Halford and Bruff has a brother rhythm to it. Don't you agree? Like That's it, two syllables and then one, right? So yeah, like, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Halford and Bruff. Like, yeah. Halford, you know, does all the, the, the administrative nonsense most of the time. And then Bruff solidly comes in with the opinions and the analysis. Sure. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> yeah. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> Uh, do you guys have what we learned? I do have a what we learned. Okay. Does Adog have a what we learned? Hopefully I, he does. I, I will. Okay. In, a little, in a little while. I'm okay. currently Working posting some hot video. <laughs> Gotta be a better way to say that. There's, there's <laughs> Can you do that on company time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, are you allowed to do that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your what we learned, Laddie? My what we learned is a Rob Manfred what we learned. Oh, he had his State yeah. of the Union press conference, and he went over how he's going to retire in 2029. And what I learned is that he's got a little bit of Gary Bettman in him. See if this – I mentioned the, the Jersey gate, right, the New Jerseys that are being forced upon these players and the fans okay. that are just screen-pressed garbage uniforms this season that they came out with. It, it reminds me of a little how Bettman handled the – ads on the boards questions that he was receiving about how people hate it and it's distracting and they don't like it. Let's hear what Manfred had to say about the uniforms. Well, we always pay attention to what people are saying um, uh, about any new initiative. Um, I think you know in baseball, any new initiative, there's going to be some negative feedback. They have been tested more extensively than any jersey in any sport. Uh, the feedback from the All-Star game last year where the jerseys were worn was uniformly positive from the players. So I think after people, you know, wear them a little bit, I think that they're going to be really popular. Well, that Rob, is, they've that... been wearing them for a little bit, and they don't like them. Mm. There's been numerous players that have come out, and just they hate the way these uniforms feel. There's no customization to them. So how much of this has to do with the reputation of fanatics? It's more actually what we're hearing now. It's it's a partnership between Nike and Fanatics. So okay. to, to get into the details here, Fanatics bought the Majestic Factory. The so Majestic used <laughs> to be the uniform. like an amazing magical right? place. <laughs> it's it's really not. Uh, Nike designs the uniforms and comes up with the ideas for them. Okay. But it's Fanatics who has to come through with the creation of these uniforms. Mm. A lot of the players are saying they've cut corners. The everything is screen pressed now. You can see piping in behind logos and stuff now. Right. And they don't have customization options. There used to be you know different spots of the pants where you could get more padding and have it extra long if you needed it. You know if you're sliding, you don't want it to pop out. Mm. None of the players can do that anymore, and they're upset about it obviously because they've had these custom uniforms as long as they can think of. Do some of the guys want the the fight straps on them, and other guys don't? <laughs> Basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, the, right. the fight straps. But yeah, they it's it's not looking good. Like these these players keep, you know, voicing up about how they don't like these uniforms. But hey, according to Rob Manfred, everything's fine. They'll just get used to them. Um, what is the opinion of Rob Manfred overall when he was when he announced that he was going to retire in two thousand and twenty nine? I mean, that's still a long way off. Um, I know there's been a lot of criticism for him, but. He also oversaw some, I think, pretty positive rule changes for the game, sped up the game, recognized mm -hmm. that the game did need to be sped up. Where are you on him as a commissioner? I think in baseball in general, there were a few areas that the Band-Aid needed to be ripped off because it's a slow adapting sport. Baseball doesn't like to make a lot of rule changes. So, they, yeah, in some regards, they need it's, you know a, a bulldog to get in there and make these changes, but it's everything else to me. He doesn't 
come convey a you know feeling that he loves baseball. You know, he's mm-hmm. just in it for the money is, is what the everyone keeps saying about every one of his decisions, right? It just feels like he's doing things at the cost of not the traditionalist baseball fan, but just things that baseball fans have become accustomed to. He's not afraid to just trample all over those ideas if it's going to lead to more money for him down the road, which right. isn't a good look. I think as a commissioner, you know, you're supposed to be the top of the sport. To have people complain that, hey, it doesn't seem like this guy really likes the sport, mm-hmm. it's not a good look. Like even Gary Bettman, I know the um, the knock on him was that when he first came in was like, you're a basketball guy. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do you even know about hockey? You even skate. I, I actually feel like Gary Bettman has legitimately come to appreciate the game mm-hmm. and appreciate some of the traditions of the game. I'm not saying he's just he's not just out there for the money because he is, and there are some very lawyerly things that Gary Bettman does. But I, I think that's a good point. I think the commissioner of the league should have, if not a childhood love of the game, at least an appreciation of what's important for the players and the fans. I think the, the thing you just go back to is just what does Adam Silver do? <laughs> I think he, of all the commissioners in all the sports, I think he has the best public image out of all of them. And that's an intentional thing that he's done, and he's worked up this you know, familiarity with the fans that yeah. these other commissioners don't seem to really even care about. And then you can about. trick the players into signing bad deals for yeah. them, right? <laughs> that's, the CBA. That's okay, give us, a, give us a moo cow there. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.